Welcome to the Good to Growth podcast on Nonprofit Hub Radio. I'm your host, Katie Appold. I'm the executive director of Nonprofit Hub. One of my favorite job duties is hosting this podcast. Each week, I get to talk to nonprofit leaders, influencers, and innovators who are changing the sector. You see, we know that you're already doing good. We've designed this podcast to help nonprofits who are doing good to find new ways and new resources to grow. So tune in weekly, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you. This episode is sponsored by HubSpot for Nonprofits, offering 40% off of HubSpot's Pro Plus products for eligible nonprofit organizations. Get the tool that nonprofits like Greenpeace, First Robotics, and Ignite National use to scale their marketing, improve search engine optimization, simplify reporting, and engage core audiences, all in one place. Learn more at HubSpot.com nonprofits. That's HubSpot.com nonprofits. There could be no more diverse sector than the nonprofit sector. There are so many causes out there, so many purposes um, with people behind them. But there are some things that we all have in common. And I'm not talking about fundraising or boards or any of that type of characteristics. I'm talking about commonality in the issues that we serve. And most organizations I know are dealing with two things that I think have become overwhelmingly difficult in the recent years, and one is mental health. No matter what organization you are with, no matter what your purpose, tangentially or directly, you are impacted by mental health issues in your community or in our nation. And the second is the political climate. Um, it is, it is a struggle right now. The dividing lines are clear and it's disruptive. It's disruptive to how we carry out our work and it's disruptive to the unity that nonprofits so often try to curate and to cause. Today I'm talking to a nonprofit leader who I have seen just do incredible things in the community where she works. This individual is not just tracking success through stories and through, you know, perceived impact, but the data behind what she's doing is absolutely phenomenal. I'm talking to Barbara Lee Van Horsen, who is the executive director. She calls herself an experimenter at the Momentum Center. This is a local organization. It's based in West Michigan, but the programs they're running are programs that could be duplicated throughout the nation, and they are innovative, they are trailblazing. So it's my hope that all who listen to this program will be inspired either to contact Barbara directly or at least mimic some of these programs and this work in your own community. Let's get started. Barbara, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Yeah. So again, I know you. I enjoy you. You're one of my um, you're one of my favorite people to think big with or to really take apart things that are complicated. You're just a gifted dreamer, a gifted thinker, and a gifted nonprofit leader. But for the rest of our audience, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do. Well, that's uh, high praise. Thank you. <laughs> I am uh, 
the experimenter at the Momentum Center uh, in Grand Haven, Michigan, Grand Haven and Holland. We are a grassroots movement to create a stigma-free community. And we do that in three overall ways. One is by operating the Momentum Center for Social Engagement. Uh, we have two locations for that now, and that's all about providing social and recreational opportunities for people with mental illness, addictions, and disabilities. Uh, it's an incredibly successful model. We're showing statistically significant decreases in depression, anxiety, and loneliness, uh, and increases in social connectedness. So it's a model we're really interested in replicating throughout the country. Uh, it can be adopted to any community. We also lead community conversations on social justice and human rights. Uh, we don't shy away from complicated and controversial issues. Uh, as, as you said, those are the things that we most need to find ways to talk about. And the third thing we do are lead cultural immersion experiences. Uh, we believe that the that's the fastest way to help people see the lens through which they see the world to really spend time with people whose life experience is different than their own. And uh, so we lead those as a social enterprise. And we have international trips, national trips, and local trips. I definitely want to dig into those because I see that as being one of the most forward-thinking practices of your organization, something I would love to see replicated everywhere. But again, I would just want to give praise and I want to call our audience's attention to how many of us are leading organizations that deal with mental health issues or deal with issues that have now become controversial. And this is an organization and a thought leader to follow because Barbara's actually doing something that works. Um, I happen to live in a, a community nearby where she is, and I know the community mental health statistics reflect the effectiveness of your program. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. You are. Uh, as I said, we, we're seeing statistically significant changes in people's well-being. And we're also finding that there's a financial impact to that. Uh, in our county, there's actually a mental health millage, and we receive some funding from that millage. We've learned that we are freeing up for every dollar we receive, we're freeing up $4 in services from our own community mental health that's available then to serve others in our community. Again, I want everyone to hear that because no matter what community you live in, that is a stat that you would love to share, I have no doubt. So, I want to dig into um, these cultural immersion experiences, and you have two different events. You have the Civil Rights Road Trip, and then you have larger overseas cultural immersion. Am I correct on that? That is correct. Uh, our international trips have been on hold because of COVID, but we're ready to ramp those up again. Uh, we work with partners in the countries we visit. Uh, so we know that our experience is authentic. Uh, they're not vacations and they're not mission trips. They're really kind of reverse mission trips. It's yeah. what do we have to learn from other cultures that we can bring back. Uh, so we go to China, Tibet, Kenya, Honduras, and Egypt. And the Egypt trip is the one that we're working on restarting right now. So if people are interested in that, they should contact me. It's it's an incredible experience where we spend time not just with modern Egyptians and learning about ancient Egypt, but we also spend time with Bedouins and Nubians. And to compare and contrast all of those cultures within a single country is incredibly insightful. 
I have no doubt. And I, we're going to make sure that we put links to any upcoming trips in the podcast notes so you can check those out. I want to make sure that we, we cover the, the civil rights road trip first because that's coming up most imminently. In fact, I think by the time this airs in November, it may have already happened, but it's still like our audience to hear about it because I know there'll be future trips. Yes, we had our first civil rights road trip last uh, April. We're repeating it again in October. It's a four-day deeply immersive experience where we go to Birmingham, Selma, Montgomery, and Memphis. And it's about being uncomfortable. It's about really coming to terms with the racial history of our country and how those attitudes continue to play out in society today. And it really challenges us to become involved, to figure out what it is we can do in order to create a more just society for everyone. Hi, this is Kevin Burgess, the editor of the Good to Growth podcast, and I want to tell you about today's sponsor, HubSpot. HubSpot isn't just a set of powerful tools. It's what one nonprofit executive likens to an iPhone because it just works. If your nonprofit wants to scale marketing efforts, improve your website, and engage donors, volunteers, and other core audiences all in one place, HubSpot might be the best all-in-one solution for your organization. With tools like a drag-and-drop website editor, easy-to-use landing pages, and out-of-the-box forms to help you grow your email list and segment audiences, HubSpot makes expanding your nonprofit's reach simple and reliable. Learn more about HubSpot's nonprofit program and find out if your organization is eligible for a 40% discount on Pro Plus products at HubSpot.com nonprofits. That's HubSpot.com nonprofits. Now let's get back to Katie's conversation with Joe Dyer. Barbara, the Civil Rights Road Trip, the first time I heard about it, um, I, I kind of lit up because one of the things that we get requests for frequently, and I mean really frequently, is referrals for DEI training, um, DEI books, DEI curriculum. And, you know, we've not come across anything that is like, I, I hate to say this, but so fantastic that we we push it out. And we also hesitate to taking a bookish approach to that topic because it varies by community and it's not a textbook situation. It's, it's complex and it varies by individual and their own beliefs. So talk to us about the beauty of this experience and what it could do for nonprofit leaders, for business leaders. Yeah, that's one of the things we're most excited about with the Civil Rights Road Trip. I have personally been involved in anti-racism work, DEI work, for, boy, almost 25 years. And a lot of it, it, it's important work, but a lot of it looks like let's get together and talk about issues. And at the end of the day, we'll just agree with whatever our boss wants us to agree with. And then we go about our day and we don't necessarily move the needle. And the civil rights road trip really offers an immersive experience, which is something completely different. Uh, when you are actually in those places and experiencing the, the emotion and the history and reflecting on how that continues in our world today, 
I think we really have the opportunity to move the needle. And so one of the things we really want to do is promote this. Uh, two nonprofits to HR directors uh, is a way to really get an effective outcome for your investment in DEI. That makes complete sense. Um, again, we will include links to um, Barbara, to the Momentum Center, to this next opportunity, as well as maybe a sign-up list for the one in April. Now, let's jump over, um, and it's not a huge leap because the, the Civil Rights Road Trip and the Cultural Immersion Experiences, is the mission somewhat aligned on those? I mean, it's really about getting outside of what we know and experiencing experiencing the culture of others, experiencing what they know to be true. It's very much aligned. Uh, again, we started with the international trips. Uh, we started with China and Tibet, and then we slowly added other uh, destinations with the idea that by experiencing another culture, we got an opportunity to see the world through somebody else's eyes. And when we could start doing that, then we could really start seeing the lens through which we see the world. Uh, and that's really when things change. But the reality is you don't need to go halfway around the world to have that kind of experience. You really just need to spend time with people whose life experience, whose way of seeing and understanding the world is different than yours. And that can be as close as across your, your street <laughs> to really spend time uh, engaging with people who've experienced life differently. And the Civil Rights Road Trip allows us to do that. It brings those of us uh, in my location, we're in the Midwest, into the Deep South and provides us that rare glimpse into uh, another way of understanding and seeing and processing the world, similar to what we do on our international destinations. So let me ask you this, because I'm thinking about how how I would, um, how I would react to these opportunities. And again, we're all different, but is it easier to start in your local community by getting involved with maybe groups or functions that you would normally shy away from? Or does it make sense to jump in and do one of these immersion experiences just to show yourself that, that you can do it? And then when you come back, it's all easier. I think it really depends on the individual. Some people will be more comfortable uh, connecting at a distance mm -hmm. before bringing it too close. And others will find it easier to reach out very, very nearby. And I think the more important thing than which way you enter is that you enter. Uh, all of us can do something to make a difference. And I think when we start thinking of the too big a picture, we can get overwhelmed we can start thinking that our part won't make that big a difference. When in fact, uh, if all of us just figure out that one thing we can do and then do it, everything shifts. Especially with nonprofit leaders. Um, and I'm thinking even of boards. When you're leading a nonprofit, you are, whether you want to be or not, you are on a soapbox, you are on a, a pillar for your community. How amazing if we had more individuals stepping out of their comfort zone or seeing their mission a little bit more broadly. I, I know um, the community we live in is um, it's it's somewhat homogeneous. It's getting better, but it's it's quite homogeneous. And 
One of the responses I've gotten often when talking about DEI or about, um, you know, trying to diversify boards or diversify teams is it doesn't reflect the community we serve. But shouldn't it? (laughs) And if it's going to start, shouldn't it start with those who are serving? It needs to, well, the problem with the comment that my my board needs to reflect my community is if you're in a community that's 96% white, then it gives you a good excuse mm-hmm. for not really reaching out and, and being intentional about creating diversity. And so you perpetuate, you just continue perpetuating that cycle. If we're not going to be proactive in creating diversity, it's not going to happen. Uh, the structures that we have in place didn't get in place on accident. And so all of the pressure is to maintain status quo, which is not to become more diverse. Uh, so I, I think we really need to be intentional. We need to be intentional with our recruiting and our staff on our boards, recognizing that those disparate points of view and life experiences bring a great deal of wealth and depth to all of the the work that we can hope to accomplish. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So the the experiences are fantastic. You are you're raising the bar for the nonprofit sector in that regard, but I don't want to overlook what you're doing. Um, I don't want to say on a smaller level, but on a more localized level to do the same work. Talk a little bit about the Momentum Center gatherings and what you see happening, what the intention of those are. So the Momentum Center really started by having community conversations. And the whole idea was to try to connect people who wanted to make a difference with opportunities to do that. So we've always been collaborative. We've worked hard to connect individuals with different nonprofits uh, where they could live out their individual interests and missions. Uh, But at the same time, we were looking for gaps. Where are the places in the system that we can maybe bring some energy to helping fill? And so those conversations led us to forming the Mental Illness Task Force. And it was through the conversations at the Mental Illness Task Force that the vision of the Center for Social Engagement really came about. Uh, And so we continue, as I mentioned, to have the community conversations. uh, And we talk about all issues of human rights and social justice. Uh, When we talk about things that are particularly controversial, we try to have voices from different perspectives be part of that conversation. We always lead with our ground rules, uh, which is about having respectful conversation, that we don't get together to debate. This isn't to figure out who's right or who's wrong, but to really be able and willing to listen to each other's experiences and beliefs and to be able to share ours uh, from a place of authenticity and honesty. And, And I invite people, if they aren't able to follow the ground rules, to maybe come back at a time that would be more advantageous to all of us. So I love that. Um, You touched on it a little bit early on, but this is a model that could be replicated in every community. Am I I wrong on that? No, you're not wrong at all. I think both the community conversations and the Momentum Center for Social Engagement are highly replicable. Uh, We need to have models for having these kind of conversations. And I think the platform that we've adopted has worked really well. We, before COVID, had 
monthly in-person meetings. When COVID happened, we transitioned to virtual meetings. And what we discovered was by using Zoom, we could still have our small group. So that's really key to all of our conversations is the ability to go into small group to really process what we've heard and come up with action plans. We would never want to have just a conversation where you said, oh, okay, I listened and now I'm leaving. Uh, So all of our conversations are very interactive. I think the model and the ground rules are certainly replicable. And then the Momentum Center for Social Engagement, again, is that, that filling the gap between the individual and clinical or therapeutic services. So we're not doing therapy, we're not doing counseling, but we're helping people get their behavioral health script met. You see your therapist, you're told to exercise, eat right, spend time in community. And a lot of people don't know where to begin to do that. So we offer meditation and exercise and yoga. We have nutrition classes and cooking and baking. We go grocery shopping. We have classes in financial literacy. And we have fun. We just have a space of community support where people are welcomed exactly where they are. Uh, So we're playing games and we're going on outings, uh, whether that's to the beach or taking a walk or going to a movie. Uh, Once a month, we go further away, a sporting event or a a zoo, something that takes us out of our regular uh, place of interaction. And what that does is it not only brings our members into the community, but it also breaks down the stereotypes and stigma within the community as our members are more interactive. And that's one of the real positive results we see is that once people start engaging at the center, they get more involved outside of the center. I love that. And isn't that, I mean, that is core. That is core to human life is connection with others. And I love that you're feeling, you're filling that script um, and helping the entire community in that way. And it works when people follow through with with those behavioral pieces and have a community of support, they're more likely to go to their next appointment, to Mm -hmm. stay on their medication, to take care of their own needs. Uh, so, So we really value that. A couple other pieces of our model that make it work are we charge a dollar for membership, $1 a year, and there are no other costs. But that dollar really provides a symbolic uh, if symbolically fills the need for affiliation. Yeah. So, so that's important. The other thing is we have a cafe that's open to the public. And so that creates a place of social integration rather than unintentionally creating more isolation for people. And we have found that that is a soft entry into our services that, uh, over 30% of our members first stop by just to have coffee. Uh, or just to check out the cafe. And then when they actually found a place of welcome and support, eventually became comfortable becoming members. I can't remember which author wrote it. Um, It's a very popular book in the nonprofit sector. Um, For those listening, I'm getting over COVID and I have a little bit of COVID brain. But there um, there was a statement in this book that poverty is not lack of wealth. It is not lack of assets. It is lack of network. And really, I think of all the the nonprofits we work with that deal with poverty at some level, and you seem to have uncovered, 
I don't want to call it the magic solution, but you've uncovered a solvent solution for this. It really is about creating those networks of support and uh, bringing people together right where they are. Uh, we do have a, a wealth of information and knowledge and resources at our at our disposal if we work together to uh, identify and, and glean those resources. So, Barbara, for all of our listeners, how can how should they follow you? Where would you like to connect with people the most? Well, we do have a very active Facebook presence, and that's probably a little reflective of uh, me being older. <laughs> I'd love to get us uh, on TikTok and some of the newer platforms. Uh, but right now, Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, I'm active on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and then our newsletter. I think our newsletter is the best way to stay informed. We send, uh, typically we send out two newsletters a month, one called Gaining Momentum, which really focuses on our topic for the month, and one that's just news, which gives all the updates of everything that's happening, including our cultural immersion trips, uh, international civil rights road trip and otherwise. Barbara, thank you so much for sharing all that you're doing, all of this good work. It's inspirational and um, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to live in the community where you work and I hope this inspires many others. I also just want to invite anybody to email me personally at any time. I would really enjoy engaging in these conversations. Well, she put it out there, folks. So I will go ahead and put Barbara's email in the podcast notes. You heard it there. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Barbara. Again, this is an organization to follow. I realize geographically they may be removed from where you are at, but heart-wise and impact-wise, they are doing things that all nonprofits should be following. These programs have statistical impact as well as felt impact in the communities where they're being offered up. I would also encourage you to get on the wait list for the next Civil Rights Road Trip. This is something that any person from any organization, for-profit, non-profit, whatever, you can be a part of these, these amazing experiences. As always, if you are looking to connect with thought leaders, to connect with people who are developing innovative programs that might influence or inspire your good work, check out the Cause Network. You can find out all about it under the membership tab at nonprofithub.org. Thanks for listening to another Good to Growth podcast. You can find more great content to take your organization from good to growth at nonprofithub.org.